must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic process. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your... You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and welcome to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about, you guessed it, great men, specifically great men from American history. I am your host, Lauren Scott, and I know what you may be thinking. How could it be possible that a college student could possibly judge the character of some of the men in our history and call them great, especially when many of them had tremendous faults and made loads of mistakes? I mean, for crying out loud, more than half of our founding fathers owned slaves. Well, my response to that would be this. Yes, many of the men in our history, they were flawed, and they made choices that were most definitely not commendable, but I'm here right now to give you the facts. If we take a closer look into the lives of many of these men, we can understand just where they're coming from. A lot of people will focus on have lived through more tragedy and more grief than most people in the 21st century will ever know or understand. Things like wars, adultery, child loss, and illness, they all play into the effect of how a person lives their life and makes decisions. For greatness is not about the number of mistakes one makes, but rather the number of times one overcomes those mistakes and perseveres through hardships. Today, we will be talking about a man who was not born as a citizen in the United States, But he eventually became one, and this man's name is Winston Churchill. So I know this is not the usual thing that we do. I usually talk about born and raised American men, Um, but I figured today is a good day to maybe start something new and talk about men who had a big impact on American history, even if they weren't necessarily citizens. Now, although... Churchill did become a citizen on April 9th, 1963. That was two years before his death, but he was not born in America. Um, But I figured it's still a good idea to feature him because he did play a very big role in American history. And that's primarily what I love to focus on is American history. Now, it may seem strange that the British prime minister would become a citizen of the United States But a closer look at the influence he had on America will bring more light to this matter. Now, of course, Churchill did great things for his own country. There's no doubt about that. But today we will primarily be focusing on his role that involved the American people and specifically what he did for America during World War II. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, I thought we were done with World War II. I mean, we just spent the past four episodes talking about men from World War II. And I'm, as I mentioned last week, I said we would be moving on. Now, I didn't lie to you because at the time I didn't know that I wanted to talk about Winston Churchill. But this really isn't a continuation of my World War II series. But this is rather a separate thing since we will be looking at Churchill's life through a different perspective. So just wanted to make that kind of clear. Um, Although soldiers are a very important aspect in a war, the people in power also have great significance as well. 
um, especially our allies. And I think this is a very important thing to remember. I have been heavily focusing on the soldiers in World War uh, One and Two, and the impact that they had and the significance that they play in the outcome of American history. But I also think it's important to remember the political leaders in power. And even if those leaders weren't specifically American leaders, you know, we form alliances with different kinds of people. And so it does play a big role in the outcome of American history. And so that is really why I'm wanting to focus on him today. With me, I have Emily Moneyhun, a sophomore studying applied mathematics and music, and she's going to participate in a little game of trivia with us. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Lauren. All right, so I'm just going to ask you some true or false questions about Winston Churchill. First, true or false, Churchill had very supportive parents growing up. True. That one's actually false. Oh my gosh. He had very distant parents growing up. It's okay. You know, we can only go up from here. That's sad. All right. True or false. Churchill had one younger brother. False. That one is also, that one is true. Actually, this is rigged. (laughs) No, this isn't the 2020 election, Emily. True or false. Dr. Arne is obsessed with Winston Churchill. Uh, this is a tough one, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say true. That one was a tough one, but you are correct. He is actually just a little bit obsessed with this man. True or false, Churchill's father was British and his mother was American. True. That is correct. True or false, Churchill had several marriages because he had commitment issues. False. Winston Churchill was an amazing man and committed to his wife. You're so right. That one is false. He was married for 57 years to his one and only true love, Clementine. True or false. He was the first person to receive a letter with the abbreviation of OMG. That seems too specific to be false. True. (laughs) You are correct. So Lord Fisher actually sent Winston Churchill a letter and he used the abbreviation OMG and then put in parentheses, oh my God. And so he was the first person to do that in 1917, which I didn't know until I brushed up on my Winston Churchill fun facts. Mm. I wonder if Dr. Arn knows that. We should ask him. We should show up at his house and just ask him right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Just kidding. All right. Well, that's actually all the questions I have for you today, Emily, but thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. It is because Winston Churchill was a man of his word and refused to give up the fight until Nazi Germany was defeated that I argue he was a great man and I'm featuring him on my show, Great Men Back Then, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Now, before we jump into Churchill's involvement in World War II, let's get to know him as a person first. I want to show you guys where he came from so we can better understand him as a political leader. And that's something I like to place a really big emphasis on is viewing these people in history as human beings, um, as people who went through hard childhoods and they go through things just like we do every single day. And so we can better understand the decisions that they make and perhaps place less judgment on them if we disagree with them about something. He came from a very prominent rich family from his father's side. His grandfather was actually the seventh Duke of Marlborough, 
And his father was also a conservative politician. And so very prominent in Great Britain. However, his mother was an American-born citizen. And her father was a stockbroker and a financer in New York. So very different backgrounds. And that's something that I find kind of interesting. Uh, when I think of Winston Churchill, I don't usually think about him being part American. But his mother actually was from America. His parents were pretty glamorous and well-known, but that is pretty much it. Um, they didn't play a very big role in the life of Churchill, and they were rather distant, which is kind of sad, and it really did have a big effect on Churchill in a negative way. And because of this neglect that he experienced, he was a very rebellious child and instead of being raised and influenced by his parents, he was basically raised by his nurse, Mrs. Everest, along with his little brother, Jack. And I'd like to think that a lot of the goodness in Churchill's heart came from his nurse. He learned a lot from her. She was a very big influence in his life. But nothing can quite replace the influence and the role model that parents give to children and so this definitely did play a big role in his life and in his academic life when he was younger especially um, he was very rebellious in school he actually did not pass the entrance exam for officer training school until his third attempt and this just reflects really poorly on his upbringing and it's a very sad thing, but I also think that this speaks to his greatness, that he was able to overcome these hard times and uh, these times of neglect where I'm sure he didn't feel very important to his parents, but he didn't choose the route of a victim mentality. He didn't choose to feel sorry for himself, and he also decided that he wasn't going to head down this rebellious path for the rest of his days. It was a temporary thing when he was a teenager, Probably something just to gain attention from his parents, but he was unsuccessful in doing so. And I also think it is very important to study the history of an individual before we dive into his accomplishments. Obviously, Churchill ended up with great success in the end, but it wasn't always this way. He had his fair share of hardships and trials, just as everyone else does. And it is vital that we remember these individuals as human beings with faults and failures and that we don't idolize them as flawless historical figures. By studying their past, we can resonate with them and perhaps better understand the decisions that they made later on in their life. Now, I'm going to do something that you Churchill fans probably won't be too happy about, but I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to his involvement in World War II. And I know he had so many great accomplishments in between that, but I'm really trying to focus on um, his role in American history. And I'm sure a lot of you guys are cringing at the fact that I'm skipping over so many great things, um, but just for the purpose of the show, that is what I'm going to be doing today. Um, if you would like to discuss Winston Churchill more and his life in detail with someone, you could find Dr. Arn. I'm sure he would be more than happy to discuss this with you. Um, and if you can't find Dr. Arn, I'm sure you can find a student because there are pictures of Winston Churchill's face all over this school. Um, pretty much every corner you turn. 
Um, maybe not that many pictures, but sometimes it feels like it. But I'm sure it won't be too hard to find someone who'd be willing to talk about this great man with you. Now, as a historian, a veteran of war, and a statesman, Churchill could not have been more ready to defend and embrace the values Britain stood for during World War II. He became the Prime Minister of Great Britain in 1940, and he was more than ready to defy Hitler and protect his people. And this was the main thing that Churchill kept in mind when he was fighting Nazi Germany. Um, During the Second War, he stood true to the Britain values, and he always went back to those, and he was very steady on that. He did not sway at all. He realized the importance of allies in a time of crisis, and despite the messy history with the United States breaking away from Britain, Churchill was willing to put that aside and form an alliance with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I think this is something that speaks very highly of um, Churchill and I guess FDR as well, that despite the history and the tension that the United States and Great Britain faced, um, I don't really think I need to go into that. Obviously, there was an insurrection and a rebellion there, but they were able to put that aside for the greater cause. And for Churchill, this was the cause of Great Britain values that he was protecting and the people that he was protecting. And for FDR, this was the American people he was protecting and also the principles that our nation was founded on, um, the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was in mind whenever we were forming this alliance. And it was something that worked to the great benefit of both nations at the time. The only enemy was Hitler's Germany, and Churchill would make an alliance with anyone if it meant defeating him. He fought with weapons just as much as he did with words, and he is remembered for being an extraordinary orator, and he gave some of the best speeches ever during the war. Now, one of his most famous speeches was his We Shall Fight on the Breaches speech, and in the speech he gives assurance of eventual victory, even though there are discouraging circumstances And this is also something that Churchill did a magnificent job with. He was very good at encouraging the citizens and letting them know that this victory was theirs. And it was going to be bloody and it was going to be painful and there was going to be much loss. This would definitely be a victory that would come with a great loss. But he always assured his people that victory was theirs and it would come, but it would come with a price. So I'm actually going to play this speech for you. Because I think it's really important for you guys to hear Winston Churchill's voice and so you can better understand the perspective of the citizens. Because this was definitely a time of crisis. This was definitely a time where there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty. And it is vital during these times to have a leader to look up to and to have that assurance that maybe you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Maybe you don't know what the next year is going to bring. Everything is up in the air, but to have the assurance of a strong leader is more important than almost anything else, and that is what Churchill brought to the table. So I'm going to go ahead and play this speech for you. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat bottom boats and his grand army, he was told by someone 
there are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. It is because Winston Churchill was a man of his word and refused to give up the fight until Nazi Germany was defeated that I argue he was a great man and I'm featuring him on my show, Great Men Back Then, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. That is one of my favorite speeches by Winston Churchill and it's also probably one of his most well-known speeches as well. And something I also find interesting about Churchill is that he had a speech impediment, which is kind of strange because he is probably one of the most renowned orators like ever in history, but he actually had a pretty difficult time pronouncing his S's, which I never really even noticed until I was reading about him and I read about his speech impediment. And I think that speaks to how great of an orator he was, that a lot of people don't even notice that flaw in his speaking because he was so great with words in general. Now, as Churchill worked with FDR to bring about a satisfying victory, he was always very careful in decision-making to the point where he could be quite irritating to work with. If he thought he was right about a decision, he would not let it go. And I personally think that this speaks to his perseverance and his confidence that victory was theirs at the end of the day. And a lot of movies you watch about Winston Churchill will show this exact same thing. He was a very stubborn man and he was pretty difficult to work with at times. But as I study history, I think I discover that these kinds of men are some of the greatest that have ever existed because they stand their ground 
and they don't sway their morals no matter what's happening around them. And so I think that this truly does speak to his greatness. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details of all the battles that occurred and such, but if it were not for the determination of Churchill, the outcome of World War II would definitely be uncertain. His role was just as important as the role of our president, FDR, and the alliance they formed was of the utmost importance. Now, it is because Churchill stood his moral ground and always reassured the people of America and of Great Britain that they were going to fight until Hitler was defeated. And he actually remained true to his word, that I argue he was a great man. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about great men who shaped our nation into what it is today. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode and even learned something new. Come back next week as we dive into the Gilded Age and talk about someone who is very important during this time period. Once again, you've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and this is Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott.